Well, I'm excited to be with the Christ Journey family once again, whether you're joining us in South Florida in one of our campuses or across the nation or around the world. We are so thankful that you're with us and our prayer today is for peace. We pray for peace on earth, for peace in this nation, for peace in all nations, for peace in every city, for peace in every family. Would this be awesome if God would grant peace to your heart and to our world? And so we make this prayer in the name of the Prince of Peace. If you join me, say amen. 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 Now, I relate to the concept called work in progress. What do I mean by that? I'm happy that whatever God is up to in my life, he's not done yet. (laughs) That's what I mean by that. Um, That my tomorrows can actually be better than my yesterdays. And that helps me remember that when I make mistakes, that doesn't mean I am one. Have you learned that yet? Just because you make mistakes doesn't mean you are one. I mean, parents, this is really important. Just because your kids make mistakes doesn't mean that you treat them as if they are one, right? Right, yes. Husbands, wives, same thing. Just because you might step into mistakes from one another doesn't mean that your marriage is one. We make mistakes sometimes, but mistakes can be tremendous opportunities for breakthrough. In in fact, did you know that many of the things that we consider to be breakthrough discoveries began as mistakes. Back in 1839, a guy was, con- was uh, conducting experiments with a substance derived from the rubber tree. And uh, rubber tree sap, people had tried to make this practical for years, but what they discovered was when hot, it melted, and when cold, it shattered. And one day, he accidentally dropped some rubber mixed with sulfur onto a hot stove, and you know what happened? The heat made the mixture firm yet flexible. And when cold, cold air didn't make it brittle. The guy's name was Goodyear. And ever since then, you know what? His mistake has helped transform rubber into many of the products that we use every day. Another guy, after seeing a bottle of wine spill on a tablecloth, maybe you've experienced that, (laughs) thought, what if I could come up with a waterproof coating for cloth? And so he tried but uh, failed. Actually, uh, it became too stiff to be practical and actually peeled off the fabric in huge um, sheets of transparent film. So you know what he did? Made a machine to keep making sheets of film and now we call it cellophane. Alexander Fleming accidentally, accidentally introduced mold into a flu culture that he was working on in one of his Petri dishes. But instead of beating himself up and then throwing it out, you know what he did? He studied the results, isolated and identified the mold, which proved strategic in forming the vaccine we now call penicillin, life-saving. But a mistake. Did you know the cooking power of the microwave that you have in your kitchen was discovered when an engineer using them mistakenly melted a chocolate bar in his shirt pocket. Mistake. Teflon was discovered when a researcher working on a refrigerant accidentally left a sample out overnight. Post-it notes. You know the guy working on that was trying to come up with a super strong adhesive and failed. (laughs) 
(laughs) And now his failure is like in every office, isn't it? Post-it notes. Coca-Cola, you know where that came from? A pharmacist was working on a brand new syrup. And an assistant mixed mixed it with soda water by accident one day. And the result is now the most popular soft drink in the world. Accident. Luther Burbank, scientist who developed, the botanist scientist who developed more than 800 varieties of, uh, of plants had this motto, every weed a potential flower. Every weed a potential flower. God is like that. God is like that. Only he does it with people. He loves people. This is the message of scripture. This is the message of Christ. God loves people, but here's what God knows. People make mistakes, but even though people make mistakes, God doesn't treat us as if we are mistakes. Sometimes we weed up our lives, don't we? But God is not daunted. You know what his motto is? Every person a potential work in progress. That's what grace means. And uh, as a case in point, Simon Peter, we find his story in the Gospels and in the New Testament. He's like, uh, he's like case study exhibit A of what does a work in progress making mistakes look like? And uh, yet look what Jesus does with him. What do we know about him? Well, he was a fisherman, which means he, he was outdoorsy, you know, his skin would show the ruggedness of the weather. He was rough around the edges, right? He didn't always say the right thing. Sometimes he would speak before he started thinking. And um, he was brash, he was impulsive. But one day his little brother Andrew heard John the baptizer talking and pointing to Jesus. And Andrew started following Jesus and John's gospel tells us the first thing that his little brother did. He said he found his brother Simon and said, we found the Messiah. And then he brought him to Jesus. Did somebody help you come to Jesus? Well, then you've got something in common with Simon Peter. Mark chapter one, verse 17, when Jesus sees Peter and Andrew casting their nets, uh, fishing nets on the Sea of Galilee, here's what he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men and both brothers leave their nets and follow him and so it begins. They follow the call, Jesus calls. And I believe Jesus still calls in our world. What if you hear the call of Jesus today? What would you do? Well, I know if I were you, I'd be thinking, well, it depends on what he's offering. You know, you got a deal for me. Tell me what you got in mind and then I'll make up my mind, right? Well, follow me and I will make you. That sounds like Jesus is offering some life coaching to me. Follow me and I will make you. Make you more than what you've been. Jesus calls, Jesus coaches. Lessons from the life of Peter. And you know what good coaching does? It brings out your best. It it empowers you, it builds you up, it makes you more than you were. So what Jesus is offering to Peter, and perhaps to you too, is uh, that he's gonna expand Peter's influence and he's going to increase Peter's impact and other people's lives are gonna be affected. That's what he's saying, fishers of men. And God dreams nothing less for you. Here's what I believe. God desires for you to lead an influential life, a significant life, a life of impact. 
But you know how Peter's going to get there from here? And this is where hope kicks in. Because he's going to make, he's going to have impact as a mistake-making work in progress. And as we read his story in the uh, New Testament, that's what we come to see. William Moulton Marston said this, the creator of Wonder Woman, if you're wondering who is this, he said, every success I know has been reached because the person was able to analyze defeat and actually profit from it in their next undertaking. We're going to get to see Peter do that in three great opportunities of his life that each time he steps into great mistakes that he makes in the face of those opportunities. The first one happens on water. The water that he so loves, the Sea of Galilee, maybe you remember the story. We told it on Boot Sunday not so long ago, Matthew chapter 14. It's the middle of the night. Jesus has had a hard day's ministry and he sends the guys over in the boat to cross the Sea of Galilee. It's the middle of the night. Jesus said, I'm gonna go up to the mountain to pray. And while they're in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night, around 3 a.m., the wind starts beating against the boat, the waves are pushing against it, and they see what looks like a ghost coming at them on the water. It turns out to be Jesus walking on water. Here's how the story goes, but guess what Simon says next? If that's you, then call me to come to you on the water. And I don't know if he was expecting it, but that's exactly what Jesus does. He said, okay, come on. And he's out. Next thing you know, he's out of the boat and he's walking on water, which is so cool until the mistake. He gets his eyes off Jesus, onto the waves, onto the wind, and fear takes him down. And maybe... That's where you can relate as I can. Ever had an opportunity before you that fear suddenly took hold of you and, uh, and threatened to take you out? And he cries out, Lord, save me. Three-word prayer still works, by the way. Uh, Lord, save me. And he learns a great lesson here that can help when he makes mistakes in his life. Here it is. Jesus is your savior. Jesus is salvation. Jesus saves. That's why we say that. Now, how did Simon learn that? I'll tell you how. By bringing his mistake. How do we learn? Have you learned that? How can you learn that? Oh, same way. You bring your mistakes, which what that means is you, you don't get there by going into hiding with your mistake. You don't get there by pretending that you never make mistakes. No, the first step forward is, okay, you make mistakes, then bring them. And Jesus will meet you there. In fact, if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying. But we bring our mistakes to Jesus and what do we find ourselves lifted by Jesus, our savior, like Simon. Next scenario. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus has his guys in Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea is a city that is named after um, Caesar, obviously, but it's in a Greek and Roman and very pagan area uh, of the nation. And pagan influence is huge there. I mean, there's lots of temples to pagan gods in the city. And Jesus, everybody's got a God opinion in the city and this is the place where Jesus has his guys together and says, who do men say that I am the son of man? Who do, who do men say that I the son of man am? And guess who speaks up? Simon. And Simon says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. 
awesome. And Jesus blesses Simon. He says, you know, I know you didn't think this up all by yourself. God gave this to you. And oh man, underlines it. And then he says, and from now on, I'm going to call you Peter. Greek word stone, Petros. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. That's an act of empowering, of authority, of influence. Remember when you first got the keys to the car? Remember when you were given the keys to the house? Did it come with some instructions about, hey, you know, this is important. This is significant. There's responsibility because you were being entrusted with authority and influence. That's what's taking place here. He's saying, hey, Peter, this is part of that change the world, fisher for men that's going to impact lives. I think it probably felt pretty good. But you know what happened? It almost immediately, like in the same breath, here's what Jesus says. You know, the Son of Man is going to have to suffer, be killed, and then on the third day, rise. And guess what, Peter? Our newly gifted, key-bearing leader does. He says, no way, Lord. No way. You shouldn't suffer. You shouldn't die. And what does Jesus say? You remember? Get behind me, Satan. What is that? Well, you know, Jesus knows that being Messiah means suffering, it means serving, and it means sacrifice. It means atoning for the sins of the world. Messiah doesn't happen any other way from God's perspective, but in opening his big mouth, here's what Peter does. He inserts his big foot and he makes a big mistake and contradicts the very plan of God. Pretty significant. You ever said something and immediately as it got out, you wished you hadn't said it? More about that next week. But this was a huge error. I mean, Jesus even calls Simon, Satan, what? How does that feel? Well, imagine yourself. You're in class as a kid, elementary school, and the teacher asks a question and you offer a great answer. And in front of everybody, the teacher goes, oh, that's so smart, Billy. What, that was a perfect answer. And then goes on to explain what the answer actually means. And then Billy offers his opinion on the teacher's explanation. And the teacher in front of the whole class says, that is so totally wrong. And not only is it wrong, you've just contradicted everything that I just said. Now, how does Billy feel? How does Simon feel? How embarrassing. But you know what Jesus doesn't do? He doesn't say, okay, give me the keys back. <laughs> Does he? He doesn't say, hey, wait a minute. John, I think you need to take the keys. Peter doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't do that, does he? What was I thinking? I gotta, I gotta change this. No, here's what Jesus, the life coach, does. He seizes the teachable moment in Matthew 16, 24. He says... Okay, here's what following me means. Leaders, listen up. You follow me, and it means you deny yourself, you take up your cross, and that means when you lose your life, it feels like you're dying, but actually you are saving it. And then he goes on to say, you know what? Even if it feels like you're giving up the whole world, 
When you're following me, you will not be tasting death when you see me coming in my kingdom. Now what's Peter supposed to learn from his mistake, in his fear, in his weakness? I think this is it. Jesus is your strength. Jesus is your strength. Stronger than suffering, stronger than death, stronger than death by injustice. You feel like life isn't fair to you. Hey, when it doesn't feel fair. Stronger than Satan and stronger than sin. Every gifted kingdom leader has got to learn this lesson. That Jesus is your strength in overcoming suffering, sin, and death. Injustice is coming your way. But when it does, and you make your big mistake in the middle of it, guess what? Your mistakes don't disqualify you from leadership in God's community. Now listen, in ministry, some mistakes can take you down and way out but they do not disqualify you from kingdom leadership. Jesus can meet you in your mistakes and it just gives him a chance to coach you in even deeper ways for greater impact if you're listening. Third scenario, Peter is about to commit the biggest blunder of his life. I mean, this is the one we remember him for. Right? Jesus has just had Passover with the guys. They're all, they've shared communion, the new covenant. It's like, man, this is significant. I'm starting a new covenant with you in my blood, shed for the remission of sins, my body broken. And then he tells them, one of you is going to betray me and all of you will forsake me. Mark 14, 27, you will all fall away. And what does Peter do? Oh, of course he's got to say something. Hey, listen, Lord, you know, even if all of them fall away, not me. I'm your man. I got your back. I'm here for you, right? And Jesus tells him today before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Luke, I, I don't know what that felt like to him. But I mean, the man he was looking at in the mirror that morning would not be the same man he was looking at the next day. Luke lets us into the conversation a little bit deeper. It says to Peter, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you and sift you like wheat. Now see, we've seen Peter lifted from the water. We've seen Peter gifted with the keys. Now we're gonna see him sifted like wheat, what will he learn as he's sifted? You ever felt like you were being sifted? Sifting is a threshing process where um, a kernel is separated from the chaff by violent force. There's shaking, there's crushing, there's, uh, there's shifting, there's sifting, I mean. And... Um, and Jesus says, this is what Satan's gonna to try to do with you, Simon. He's gonna to try to crush you, he's gonna shake you down, and he wants to blow you away. And you know what Simon says, I, I'm good, I got it, I'm good. And Coach Jesus says, no, that's not how it's coming down, you're gonna deny me. But then he goes on, but I've prayed for you. Do you have a spiritual coach praying for you? Do you have anybody in your life who's, who's in the corner with you 
when this comes your way, I'm praying for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, then strengthen your brothers. Now the story goes on to tell us that when Judas brings the soldiers and betrays him with a kiss, that a scuffle ensues and Peter tries to rise up, right? Uh, but Jesus ultimately is taken away. He's slapped, they pummel his face, they spit on him and Peter winds up following at a distance. And the gospels all tell us that he's standing by a courtyard fire uh, with some guards and a servant girl and the little girl says, you know, you were with the Nazarene. I recognize you. Uh, you were with the Nazarene Jesus. And Peter said, I do not know or understand what you are talking about. I hope you read these for yourself. But she said it again. <laughs> and again, he says, I don't know what you're talking about. He denies it. And then another one of the men says, no, no, no. You're one of those from Galilee. And Peter then steps it into overdrive. He says, he, he, he lies already. And then he curses on himself. He swears. He says, I do not know this man you're talking about. And it doesn't mean that he used profanity or vulgarity. Though that could have happened. But what it means is that he was saying like, if I'm lying, I'm dying. May God strike me dead if I am lying about this. And the rooster crows. Dramatic moment. Peter's devastated realizing what he does. He, uh, he breaks down. He starts weeping bitterly. It's the greatest failure of his life. And you know, just a few hours back, Jesus had asked him with two of his buddies, if they'll just stay up with him and pray. He's gonna go through a hard time. He says, I just need you praying for me. And in the garden, three times Jesus comes back and they're not praying. You know what they're doing? Sleeping. They're sleeping just hours before. And then Jesus tells them, you know, three times you're gonna disown me. And then he did. I mean, directly contradicts Jesus and his teaching. And as far as we know, he ran off in the night. I mean, that's where the story essentially takes us with him. John went to the cross and stood with Mary at the cross, but there's no record that Peter was ever there. I mean, this is a wounded, broken man who's been shaken down and pretty much blown away because of his own behavior, because of his own mistakes. And I'm thinking, knowing what our world is like, somebody said to him, if not, he was saying to himself, Or are you coming to replace batteries? Richard to the rescue. <laughs> Checking, testing, one, two, three. Thank you very much. When stuff goes wrong, how do you make it right? Here's a wounded, broken man, shaken down, pretty much just blown away, and thinking to himself, it's over. I mean, three strikes, you're out, and this isn't my first time at bat, right? <laughs> Maybe you've ever felt like that, and uh, it's over. You know, you've done, you, you've done it. This is too much to be overcome. You ever felt like that? that? That big one, that one that you hope nobody finds out about, that one that you wanna keep buried if there were a way to do over, you would know, hey, that one I would, I would do over. That's the big one. That's the greatest mistake. That's the one that I don't want. 
in me or having me, and I don't know what that blank is for you, the lying, the cheating, the divorce, the rape, the abortion, the whatever, the fill in the blank, the one that's just too big, you know? Can you imagine Peter from a distance watching as Jesus is stretched out, pounded to that cross and then lift agonizingly high and to the record, never got the chance to say, I'm sorry, Lord. You know, forgive me, it's not in there. And Jesus died. Far as we know, Peter wasn't at the cross. He didn't help with Jesus' body coming down. He didn't assist in the burial. It's not in there. How amazing it is then that that when those women went out on that Easter Sunday morning and encountered not only the empty tomb, but that angel who said, you know, Jesus who died is not here. He is risen just as he said, and you need to go and tell those disciples. All the gospels record something like that, except the gospel of Mark adds two words. Scholars believe the gospel of Mark is a compilation of the recollections of Simon Peter. And in the gospel of Mark chapter 16, verse seven, the angel says, go tell his disciples and Peter. Why does that matter? Well, if you were Peter, you'd know why. I think when they told him that the angel called his name, he remembered that Jesus said, I will not forsake you. I'm praying for you. I will be dying for you. I have risen for you and I've got plans for you, just like he does for you. Plans to have a life of influence and significance, plan to make a world impact. That Jesus is your sustenance. That uh, his life keeps us alive. Jesus calls, Jesus coaches, and listen to me, Jesus keeps. I'm not strong enough to keep myself in, but he's strong enough to hold me and he won't let go. Jesus is big enough to keep his promises. Jesus is big enough to keep his people. Jesus is big enough to keep you. That's what I'm taking from this. It doesn't matter your failure, your sin, your mistakes. God forgives, God restores. Now, what we've just seen in the experiences of his life, Peter has been lifted, gifted, and sifted, and each time made mistakes. In the midst of the experience, maybe you can relate to that, in the highs and lows of your life journey that you've made a few along the way. Here's what I'm thinking. We all have pain, but we also all have dreams. We, have, we dream great dreams, and then we have them soured by some kind of disappointment, some from the outside, some from the inside. We experience failure. We make promises that we can't keep or that we don't keep, and then they bite us. What are we supposed to do then? And here's the maybe, I think. Maybe then it's time to realize this, better to follow and fail than fail to follow. Would you say that with me? Better to follow and fail than fail to follow. Now, Anthony Gonzalez, a pastor that was raised up here and is now serving on the UM campus, came up after the first experience today. He said, you know, Bill, you know what that is? That shifted. If we've seen him lifted, gifted, and sifted, you know what you can do with that? I said, man, Anthony, what a great insight. You can shift into another gear. You don't have to stay stuck in your past. Here's what you can learn. Christ brings value even from your mistakes. 
that Jesus saves, Jesus strengthens, Jesus sustains. What are you learning as you have been lifted in life? Some new opportunity came your way. Have you invited Jesus to meet you there? If you've been gifted with authority or influence, when you've been sifted, what are you supposed to do then? Can you invite Jesus to meet you there and just decide, I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna hang in there. This is just the, con the conviction of staying in the race. Somebody said a diamond is just a piece of coal that hung in there under pressure. Well, the pressure's coming, but maybe that's the takeaway for you today. God's not giving up on you, so you shouldn't either. Keep following. Keep following. Sometimes life is messy, isn't it? Life is messy. Marriage is messy, isn't it? Parenting is messy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Business, negotiating a business deal, closing a deal, that can be messy, isn't it? You know, there's so much about life that can just be so messy. People can be messy. And labor and delivery, ouch, and this is messy. And yet, life comes from it. I'm thinking maybe every life listening to me today involves some of that messiness, but we keep following. What can you do? You can keep following. Maybe you have a loved one who was close to God and now seems far away. Maybe they're in a time of sifting. You know what, you can pray for them. You can be there for them. Just because somebody is far from God doesn't mean they stay far from God. Just because somebody falls away from God doesn't mean they stay away from God. You just keep following. Maybe you feel like what you've done is just too much to be forgiven. Listen to me, you're wrong. You're wrong. You listen to me, you are wrong. Some of our mistakes, tend to keep us from God. None of them keep God from us. This is why Jesus came. God commended his love in that while we were yet sinners making our mistakes, Christ died for us. Would you let him show you that failure is never final when Christ is on your side? You just keep following. What happened is Peter did, you know, less than three months later, three months later, he's now standing in Jerusalem, Pentecost Sunday, and he is bringing the message of hope and grace to people from all over the known world of the Roman Empire. And by the end of the message, well, here's how the message version puts it. Simon says, change your life. This is Simon Peter preaching. Turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is targeted to you and your children. Hold on to that one, right? But also to all who are far away. Did anybody know what it feels like to be far away? Peter did. He said, oh, I know this one's real. If you feel far away from God, here's how you can be close. In fact, Whoever our master God invites, and that day after his talk, about 3,000 took him at his word, were baptized and signed up. Signed up for what? Signed up for life change, responding to the call of Jesus Christ to let him be their coach in life and keep them as they keep on following as works in progress, even though they're making mistakes. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, that just because we make mistakes doesn't mean you treat us as if we are one. Thank you that we bear the image of the Almighty in our creation and that you have chosen to so outlove sin and mistakes that its scar will never have us.
that you are redeeming us even now. And I'm praying for people whose hearts have been open, whose spirit, your spirit has come into them in their spirits and they are resonating today and bringing their mistakes to you. I pray that you would meet them with a fresh breath of forgiveness and of lift, just as you did, Simon. And for those who are struggling, being sifted, my Lord, would you hear our prayer as we seek to intercede for one another and carry them through until the strength comes. And especially, Father, today we pray for those who are on the front end of their spiritual journey, who would like to know you personally and are just taking that step right now. If that's you, then here's a prayer you can offer. Lord Jesus, I believe you're calling me and I invite you to be my coach. Come into my life, forgive my sins, and I receive the gift of salvation in the presence of your spirit that you could make me the person you would have me be. And I'm trusting you now in Jesus' name. Now our heads still bowed just for a moment, but if you prayed to take that step of faith and open your heart to Christ, and you would let me ask God's blessing upon your decision, would you simply raise your hand and hold it up just for a few moments, give me a chance to look around the room and, and have an opportunity. If you're joining us online, there's an orange banner right there that you can, you can tag right now, right here in the front. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, ma'am. We have others to my left. God bless you toward the back and then to my right. God bless you, amen. Lord Jesus, for every, and in the center I saw you, sir, thank you. For every hand that's been raised, every heart that's been opened, we invite the presence and peace of your spirit to meet us in a profound way that gives us the assurance of hope and takes us to the next level. For each one, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.